Hello, and thanks so much for joining us on today's episode of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast, a podcast for business owners to give you the confidence to embrace your numbers and to help you put simple practices in place to make your business financial life easier. We are here to support you as your business grows and as you become financially fit. I am your host, Stacey Price, founder and owner of Healthy Business Finances. And yes, I am a totally self-confessed numbers nerd, loud and proud, an accountant, a business owner, and someone who believes that education is the best form of self-defense. So let's do this and get stuck into today's episode. I hope you love it. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast, the podcast to help business owners overcome their financial fears. Today we are talking to Danielle Price from She Will Shine. And before you ask, no, we are not related, despite both having the same surname, both loving a good cup of tea, and we also used to live in neighbouring suburbs. Danielle was previously a graphic designer and decided to jump creative ship and launch the She Will Shine community, an online platform to connect women in business. So what is it like giving up your creative career to jump into a totally different business space? When do you know is the right time to expand? And more importantly, when do you know is the right time to call it quits on that expansion and instead build a beautiful she shed in the backyard? Well, I guess it helps when you stay true to your core values and business mission the entire time. When I first started my business, I still remember my first ever local networking event where I got stuck talking all night to someone who arranged pet funerals. There was no option to mingle, the food was rubbish, and it was a massive flash your business card to as many people as possible event. As someone who has a massive fear of anything death-related, and with no pets at the time, I thought, gosh, that is two hours of my life I will never get back. I immediately went home and Googled Women in Business Melbourne, as you do, and surprise, surprise, I stumbled upon Danielle's business. Fast forward nearly eight years and today we are chatting about knowing when the right time is to expand and better still, when to know it is not the right thing to do. Thanks so much for joining us today, Danielle. Can you share with our listeners a little bit more info about who you are and also what She Will Shine is? Sure. Thanks, Stacey. So my name is Danielle Price and I'm the founder of She Will Shine and we are a Australia-wide networking group for female business owners, but we very much focus on support, connection and community. So very much getting to know fellow members, developing relationships and then working side by side, which leads to amazing results, as you know, Stace. <laughs> I know. I Big disclaimer, I have been a part of She Will Shine since I Googled it nearly eight years ago. I was really surprised yeah. how little, I guess, support there was back then. I know it's a very different landscape now, but when you're starting a business and you're solo, sometimes you just need to reach out and ask those really random questions because we just don't really know what to do. So very happy that I am a part of She Will Shine. But I want to go back and touch on how you operate your group because I have been a member of many business groups and I actually hate to think how many over the time. And I love that She Will Shine is not about you. It's not about your next sale. It's not about, you know, building each other up just for the sake of likes. It's about genuine connection, help and support. But more importantly, you put your members first. Was that a conscious decision 
from you from the get-go as there are many business groups out there with so many ulterior motives. It gives me a bit of a headache thinking about. Yeah, definitely. There's so many. It's a pet peeve of mine actually, Stace. One I don't talk about very often. But I think for me, I'm not one who loves the limelight. So for me, the most important thing is when I am able to step back and see these connections and these relationships forming in front of me. So I love doing the introductions, but then I love stepping away and seeing the magic that happens. And I think that's always been carried through She Will Shine. I started She Will Shine after seeing these relationships in my other business, my former business as a graphic designer. When women are able to work together, the amazing things that happen. So for me, it was really important to let that magic happen and to step away and let it happen without me. Yes, I may be leading this community, but it's not about me. It's about the women and it's about supporting each other so that we can all do the very best that we can. So nice to hear because I think, like we said, there's so many groups out there which portray that image, but in reality, it's not what you get when you dig deeper. Can we just touch on that initial business that you had? Because you haven't always run She Will Shine. You did used to be a graphic designer. Do you miss that creative side that the graphic design would bring out of you? Because I imagine She Will Shine is quite different in that regard. It's an interesting question because I do like doing the design work myself. So I do like doing the She Will Shine design work. I don't miss working with other clients. I like being able to do whatever I want in the design space. So in one way, I do miss a little bit of the creativity. I'm able to work with that through She Will Shine. So it's one of those things that I miss it to a degree, but then there's so much of it that I don't miss, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> there's always those little side things that you think, oh gosh, if I didn't have to do that again, I'm not going to be upset. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it was kind of, I think it was the right time for me as well when, you know, starting to have children and really thinking about what it is I wanted, not just out of a business or out of a job, but out of life as well. So I think it came at a pivotal time and it's like, I want to be more fulfilled in what I do. And She Will Shine fills that cup up so much. Just witnessing the relationships and connections that come out of that. It's amazing. It really is. So would you say then that being a business owner was in your blood or do you see it now that it was more of a natural progression from being an employee to moving into the graphic design space as your own business to then moving into She Will Shine? Or is this something that you always thought would happen? Oh, God, no. Now, I never, ever had any inclinations to run my own business. Literally, I was working in a graphic design studio, an advertising agency, where the hours were ridiculous. And I knew, you know, we'd, I'd recently been married and I knew that I'd want to start a family in the near future. And it's like, there's no way I'll be able to put kids in childcare at three o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, whatever it was that I was working. And it's like, well, this isn't really what I want out of life. And literally the thought that I would not be able to help out at the school or do the school canteen if I wanted to become a volunteer at school is what spurred me on to start my own business. I had no inclinations of building an empire or, you know, becoming an entrepreneur with that buzzword that's always around. I had nothing, none of that, absolutely none of that. So I wouldn't say it was in my blood. I think what was in my blood was a determination to make my life work for me. I love it because so many times people start a business with the ulterior motive being profit or the ulterior motive being reach a million dollars in sales or it always is tied to a really specific number. And I love for you that that's not what it was about. It was more about your lifestyle choices. 
Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. And like, I'm turned off by that sort of marketing, to be honest. I always just wanted to run a business that worked for me and have a job that worked for me. So, you know, the next step as a graphic designer was literally starting working from home. It wasn't hard. All I needed was a computer really at the time. Social media was maybe just starting possibly. I can't even remember. No, I don't even think it was pre-social media time. So you didn't have the pressure of having to be on socials. It's just like, just get a client and start working. Oh, perfect. Pre-social media. Gosh, I wish some of us probably wish we could go back to those times, to be honest. It's um a bit life-sucking at some point. Oh, absolutely. Can you give us a bit more detail sure about branching out from those designer roots in terms of, you know, the design business was humming along. So what made your heart kind of think, no, I need to switch this up or was it purely a decision from the head or how did you make that leap? I think it was a decision from the heart more than the head, to be honest. I think it was because I happened to be working with a lot of women. Like Basically, I was working with a lot of women. I didn't really advertise my business, the design business. It was all pretty much word of mouth. So my friends were talking to their friends and working with a lot of women from those conversations. And we were getting along like a house on fire because we just got it. To do pick up, drop off, I've got to take the kids, to, you know, my child here and my child there. You just get it. And you don't have to make up any, any, you know, oh, yes, no, I've got an appointment at that time. It's like, there's none of, there's no smoke and mirrors. You just say how it is and it's completely fine. And there's no need to hide anything and also easy state. So easy to just have a conversation with another mum who also had to get, literally got three hours to get shit done. (laughs) So we just got together and we got shit done. We literally got the project done. We got it out there. But we developed some amazing relationships and friendships formed from that. And it was beautiful because you want the other person to succeed, not just as a client, but as a friend. And so, you know, you really invested in that relationship and in that project, which leads to amazing results all around. I think you've touched on a really good point there, which is the word friend. And I think in business, so many times we're a little bit scared to be friends with other people in business because... We're so fearful that they're, they're going to take our ideas or they're going to do the same thing or they're going to be more successful than us. And what I love about She Will Shine is it is about the friendship first. It's about the help. It's about the guidance. It's about sometimes saying, Stacey, that Canva image you created for your ebook is really shit. I think you need to mix it up. But that comes from a really nice, happy place. It's constructive criticism. But sometimes we need that in our lives. That's right. And you need a space where you can just be yourself. I kind of found I'd go to networking events back in the day and I'd be kind of like pretending I was someone else and it's not fun and it's not productive and it doesn't lead you to the right type of clients. And it's like, I'm just tired everywhere of having to pretend I'm someone else. I just want to be me and I want to build a space where these women can all just be themselves and they're accepted for that and they belong and friendships and connections occur because they're in that safe space where they can be honest, they can let their guards down and they can reap the rewards for doing so. Yeah, it's so true because I think that's when you do get the rewards. You're not going to get a reward in business and and whatever that reward means to each person, if you're not giving someone the whole story and the full truth and, you know, the heartache that we go through and the tough times, we need to be honest about those things so that we can reach an outcome which is beneficial whatever that looks like. So I think it's it's so nice that you have created that space, which is not based on 
you know, million dollar sales. I think we can all see through the bullshit when we see those ads in Facebook or, yeah. you know, reach a million dollars in the next 28 days. You know, we know it's probably not going to happen and it's purely a marketing pull. But I want to have a talk about when you did make that switch to, to start She Will Shine, did you have some nervous butterflies about that switch? And what did your husband or your family think of that change? Because when I see your business now and I think, Back to when you started, the terms like entrepreneur or business mentor or, you know, small business guru, they really aren't job titles that people would recognize. So how did your family think about making that switch? I don't even know if my family really knows what I do properly now, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) My mum's just got on Facebook quite recently, so she sort of sees and she likes my posts and things like that, but I'm not too sure if she really gets it, to be honest. I don't know, like from Anthony, I think I did it in a quite level-headed, strategic way. So when I was taking risks and when I decided to close the design business down to focus on the community, I did it with, I guess, foresight of what was to come. So I'd saved, I think I'd worked really hard maybe the last six months of the graphic design business so that those were the funds that I was using to then invest in my business moving forward. So for me, I did it in a way where I felt that I wasn't being selfish. You know, you kind of get that thing as a mum and part of a family. I don't want to use the family funds because then I feel like I'm taking away from my children. So I had saved this fund specifically for the business. So with that, Anthony was quite supportive. I think he saw how much I was enjoying what I was doing. I remember a conversation. I haven't spoken about this one for a while, but I remember a conversation we had because at that stage I was working on the dining table because I had two children, so we didn't have a spare bedroom anymore. So I was working on the dining table and he said to me he could tell when I was working on design work and when I was working on things to do with the community because of the look on my face. And I remember thinking, geez, that's huge because it's like you can really see visually what I'm doing literally by the expression on my face. And that was kind of a big turning point for me as well because I was kind of thinking to myself, I can't be everything to everyone. I need to follow what makes me happy and what lights me up as well. I love that, first of all, a man noticed that <laughs> because normally they would only notice yeah. probably the mess <laughs> on the kitchen table. But I also love that yeah. <laughs> I also love that you probably didn't notice that yourself until somebody pointed that out. Yeah, that's right. It was a huge turning point. So I remember feeling really pulled in both directions. So it's kind of like, oh, I really want to be doing this, but this is what what is bringing the money in right now. And it's kind of like, how can I make that transition? one that's going to work for me and for my family. Also, just, you know, when something lights you up and you know when something drains you, but to have someone else and my husband at that notice that was huge. Yeah, that's amazing. So when Shibble Shine was humming along in those early years, you did make the decision to move into a commercial premises in the cotton mills in Footscray. And from here, you ran workshops for the community that you'd created. So what made you think, now is the right time for that type of investment in your business? Well, I just couldn't work from the dining table anymore, Stace. It was driving me nuts. Once my daughter was born, like like I said, we had no spare bedrooms anymore. So literally every morning I'd get my laptop out, put on the thing, get my books out. Because I was the type of person that wanted to put my laptop away when I finished working. I didn't want to see it anymore. 
So I was forever pulling it out, putting it away. And I was like, this is just ridiculous. I can't work like this anymore. I need a space to work from. So I knew that I had to outlay some money, but I had some funds from the design business. So it's okay. So I thought, oh, I've got some money there. I needed a small space that would allow me to run workshops so that I wouldn't have to pay. I don't even think Zoom was around back then. So I wouldn't have to pay for an event space. Because if I can have a space that I can utilize for workshops, then that's going to save me money in the long run. So I had all these things that I wanted and I knew that I'm not going to, you know, I think I did. I think the lease was like maybe six months or month to month. So I knew that if it didn't work out, I wasn't going to be locked into a contract for three years. So it was all a risk that I had looked into and that I knew would not be a long-term setback. So more of a low risk. But I guess when you do that evaluation, that's when you're really thinking, okay, if I have this space for six months, what's the worst that can happen? We run events, members can come in and attend events. I don't then have to pay for a separate hire of a workspace. Plus, you can work there and and kind of switch off at the end of the day. So it ticks more boxes than it doesn't tick, if you get what I mean. That's right. That's exactly right. And I found a space that had like this big foyer as well. So if we wanted to run a big event, then I could utilize that space. Like there was all these things that factored in to me choosing that particular space. But did you know what kind of space you were looking for before you found that? Or, you know, how did you find that particular space? Oh, I think I found it on like Creative Spaces or one of those type of websites back in the day. I knew I wanted something that I could grow into. So while the office wasn't huge, we did have this big foyer area. And in the complex that I was in, there were other larger spaces that had potential to be available in the future. So I was like, okay, well, let's start here and see how we go. And then if we want to move, we can move into a bigger office. But again, we're not going to have those huge long-term contracts. It will be quite a short-term risk. So I think I chose that because it was it was a space that had easy access to the freeway. It wasn't too far from home. And so all those sorts of things that I thought, okay, people can get here, there's car parking, all those things that kind of can make it difficult to get to a location. But it had potential. There was potential to grow in that space, but there was also the low risk in that if it didn't turn out, I wasn't going to be up for thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, perfect. I think that's something people often find out the hard way. They get excited about signing a commercial lease and they get one year into a five-year lease and and they want to exit and they realise it's going to cost them quite a bit of money because their business has changed for whatever reason. And sometimes that fine print can really come back and bite you with those longer-term leases. Yeah, that's right. And I think because it was my first ever commercial space, I wasn't sure what I wanted. So you're going into it thinking, oh, it could work for this and it could work for that, but you're never 100% sure. So having that flexibility in the short term, I found was great because we moved offices. I had the same landlord throughout three office spaces. So I was just able to, even before my contract had expired, I was able to renegotiate and um, move into other spaces that he then had available as the business was growing. So to have that flexibility, I think, really made me able to take those little risks along the way. When you did move into those bigger spaces along the way, was there a defining moment in the business which made you think, yep, I have big plans and I need more space? Or was it that the membership grew? Or was it that people wanted to hire the space? What were those moments that you thought, yep, I need a little bit more? Yeah, well, actually, it's really interesting because when we had our very first office space, which was quite small, I think it was 
oh gosh, maybe three metres thrown by four metres or something space. Through that, when I was having meetings, I invited our members, like, oh, if you're coming for a meeting, just stay. I had a really long desk, just stay and co-work for the day so that they'd get out of their houses, out of their office spaces, and they'd have some people to talk to while they were working. So this kind of happened accidentally more than anything. So we became the first all-female co-working space, just literally by me saying, oh, do you want to stay on after a meeting? Stay on and work. You've got your laptop here. You're out of the house. Let's just sit and have a chat while we're working. And so there was increased interest in the co-working space as well as we were running more workshops. The community was growing, so I wanted to kind of fit more people in. So it was all happening simultaneously, really, when it's kind of like, okay, there's a few things going on here, things looking positive in having a larger space, and that's when I took that next step. You moved to the Dream Factory, which was just around the corner from the Cotton Mills, and it was a much larger space again. So what went through your mind before you chose to invest in that, or was it, again, more of that organic growth where more women, I know that I personally attended a few co-working spaces from there, not sure how much work I did because I do like to have a bit of a chat. But I loved, you know, when you work from home, sometimes it's so nice to get out and speak to other people in business. So quite often I would sit there and if I wasn't chatting, I would just have my headphones on, but I just liked being around other people. Was that more of an organic feel when you moved into the Dream Factory? I think it was a bit of a combination of organic and moving into the Dream Factory, there was a lot of PR going on around the Dream Factory space. At the time, there was another co-working space in there and they invited us to share the space with them. So we would have our own dedicated, you know, this was a huge building where Lonely Planet offices used to be. And so we were able to kind of piggyback, I guess, on all this PR that was happening around the Dream Factory. And we really got our name out there as the first all-female co-working space in Melbourne. Like that was great that we were getting all this free PR, but also there was a added pressure that I felt at that time because of it. And we were running events both online and in person, but a lot of people would say, oh, I can't join the community because I can't get to the co-working space. I think we were there for two years, maybe three years all up. I can't even remember, Stacey. It feels like a lifetime ago. But we were there for a while, and I remember especially towards probably the last 12 months in particular, feeling a real pull. It's like, do we want to go into the co-working space permanently like uh, as a co-working business or am I wanting to focus on the community? And it was really interesting because the community didn't need four walls in a building. The community existed without all that. And it's like, well, you know what? That's where my heart lies. It's not about getting bums on seats in a co-working space. So it was a real turning point for me to kind of say, well, you know what? The co-working space doesn't really work for us. Yes, we got a lot of PR about it, being the first all-female co-working space in Melbourne and, you know, a bit of hype around that. But it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a building. And for us, our community existed without the need of that building. And it was at a point where we were really starting to branch out Australia-wide and being so location-dependent to that office in Footscray, the Dream Factory, was starting to have a negative effect on the growth of the business nationally. But then, you know, lots of factors came into play and it took me a long time to decide what to do because it's kind of like, oh, well, if I close the co-working space, is that a failure? Is that what people are going to see as a big failure? Like It was one of those real, do I really care what other people think or is it time to kind of say stuff is all? 
this is what's best for my community. And I and think that goes back that. to what we were talking about at the very start, where your vision for this community from the get-go was all about the members. It wasn't about what people thought of you. It wasn't about you. It wasn't okay. about what you wanted. It was all about how do we get the best out of She Will Shine. So I think it's come full circle and it shows in that decision that you haven't swayed from what you originally decided when you set up She Will Shine. Yeah, that's right. The vision never changed. It was just how to make that vision a reality. And we sort of tried a few things and we, you know, decided then that no, that's not, that's not the best way. You know, a building doesn't help two women connect. A relationship helps two women connect. An honest and truthful relationship where they can be themselves is what the driving force is. So I was like, you don't need a building for that. I don't need to be worried about getting bums on seats for that. Yes, it's nice to catch up in person, but we still do that. Well, obviously pre-COVID, but we still do that. You're able to go out for a coffee with someone. We have different things within She Will Shine, different opportunities where women can connect one-on-one, they can connect in groups, we'll go out for lunch, all these co-working pop-ups at the time as well. So there's lots of different opportunities for that to happen and we didn't need a large, like it was quite big space, you remember how big it was, we don't need a large office space that we need to fill seats on no, true, in order true. to make that happen. So instead of choosing to invest in another commercial space, I now want to talk about what we refer to as the she shed. And it's totally on my vision board, just don't tell my hubby. <laughs> but I'll try and explain it for people. I'm not a very good creative person, so you might need to bear with me. But it's an outdoor office space that you or should I perhaps say Anthony, your husband, built in the backyard. And I kind of (laughs) refer to it as a grown-ups pimped out cubby house. Like this is the bomb. So as someone who Googles everything, I know these decisions aren't cheap to invest in. You know, we call it a shed. It's definitely not a shed. It's a home office space that is separate to the house that is custom built. So what was the discussion at the dinner table like? when you mentioned you want to invest in a shed for the backyard? <laughs> I can't even remember. Gosh, take it went back. I think because I had had the commercial spaces. So Anthony knew the outgoings that were involved in having an office. And so I said to him at the time, I said, well, we can invest 12 months of that rent into building my she shed, my gorgeous she shed. And then we've paid it once and that's it. There's no ongoing lease or rent to pay after that 12 months. We would have paid it all at once into the she shed. And because of that, he was like, yeah, well, we can actually, it's, it's really interesting because if we decide that we don't need it anymore, we can actually pull it apart and sell it. Like it's kind of like a kit thing that you can put together. So it's kind of like, okay, well, then what's the risk? The risk is that it's about 12 months worth of rent to put it together and deck it all out which, you know, our house isn't huge and I would have died having to go back to that dining table again. So it's like, well, it's either this or I do go and rent a space somewhere and then I'll have that ongoing cost. So it kind of made sense at the time. It's like, well, we're not paying the commercial rent year after year. We'll invest 12 months of that rent in the she shed and that's it. I close the door. <laughs> I think all our, um, yeah, I think all I our listeners who are currently dealing with working from home and also remote learning. We'll totally be now Googling she shed (laughs) backyard construction. (laughs) So because you know me, I do like to Google stalk everything that I find out about. So I did Google stalk the she shed, but how did you decide on that particular one? Because when I started, because of course I wanted a she shed, 
I started Googling and I found a really crazy <laughs> option where at one stage you could make a bid on an old Melbourne tram and they would deliver it to you and you could convert it into an office. And I was totally gung-ho on that idea until my husband thought I was crazy. But how did you decide on, <laughs> probably still am a little bit crazy, but that's okay. We do not have a tram in our backyard. But how did you decide on that particular style um, of option for you? Because there are multiple types of options, whether they're pre-built, whether you build them yourselves, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right. So ours is basically, it's like a kit. So when I first started looking, I actually thought I was going to get, you know, those shipping containers that people deck out. They looked pretty cool. To, and I was like, oh, that'd be awesome. And one thing that we were really interested in is because we're not in our forever home right now. So it's like, well, whatever it is, we need to be able to pull it apart to either sell when we move or bring it with us. What options are out there, which is why we like the shipping container idea. It's like, well, we could just get a truck in and they can transport it to our next location. But then I was looking at things like, oh, yeah. seriously, looking at things like insulation and a rat's going to get in there. You know what I mean? Like you think, oh, God, it's got to be, it's got to be foolproof and I don't want anything yucky in my office. It's got to be perfect. But we also wanted something that, that we could go because there was lots of, you go on eBay, right, and there's lots of kits that you can build your own. It's kind of like a bungalow. Probably a bungalow is a good term to use. Build your own bungalow in your backyard. But I thought because Anthony, he put this together, so I'm giving him credit. He's very good at that stuff. But he wasn't great at being a handyman. Not you know, He's not a carpenter or anything like that. So I thought we need to find somewhere where we can go and have a look at this office before we purchase it because it was a big investment. So we found a company, also I think they were out near the, um, the Dandenong somewhere, and they built them themselves and they had one set up. I'm like, perfect. So, you know, the whole family gets in the car, we take a day trip out there. And so we were able to see what we were buying before we bought it because when you buy it, it's going to be in pieces. So you don't know what it is. So at least we could see what it was going to look like at the end, and it was from a local company, so we would always be able to get help if we had issues putting it together. So there was lots of things that kind of played into who we decided to go with, but it also had to be nice. Oh, yeah. Like I had beautiful office spaces, Stacey. You yeah, know, the designer in me comes out when I deck out my office space. I'll take the designer so out. So it had Daniel. to be something that I was proud of. That's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I'll admit that. <laughs> But yeah, it had to be something that we could, you know, make look like a, a room of the house, literally as an office, and it had to be something that was flexible. So if in time maybe we move to another house that has a space that I can work from, then possibly this could become like a kid's retreat in the backyard. Like all those sorts of things you kind of think long term, can we sell it, can we repurpose it to be something else? Because we know it's an investment, but like I said, it was like 12 months worth of rent that I had previously been paying. So it really was a no-brainer. So like, okay, let's just pay 12 months of rent to begin with. You did so much strategic analysis. It, like, <laughs> makes me feel the warm and fuzzies. But I want to ask a more personal <laughs> question. And did you feel guilty about investing in the She Shed? Because technically that yes. is for yourself. Whilst it is for She Will Shine, it is for you to work in. So how did you go with dealing with you were spending that money on She Will Shine? It's interesting because I think, I actually don't think I felt that guilty, but I think it was because I'd already had a commercial space. So I'd already been outlaying the money and that all began from the savings that I earned in my design business. So I kind of felt that I'm not dipping into the family savings. This is money that I've earned off my own back and 
I'm able to spend that how I see fit. And because it wasn't a huge risk, you know, all those things factors that came into it. No, oh I God, no. That Does that Not make at me all. bad mother? I think <laughs> we just talked to a lot of um, business owners and a lot of women because it's a big investment, even though you'd done the risk analysis and you were paying rent before, because it's one lump sum that you're paying, a lot of people get really nervous about making that decision. They could have all the spreadsheets, all the analysis done, all the mental arithmetic to say this is a really good investment and they're still not willing to part with that amount of money at once. So it's interesting to often hear about people's mindsets as to whether they were like, it's a business decision, it makes sense, you know, and here's the reasons why, or they get stuck in that trap of kind of going, I know it makes sense, but, you know, yeah. we could do this or we could do that with the money as a family. I'm great that you didn't feel guilty about it. There's no right or wrong. I just find it quite interesting, you know, sometimes people, even though they can justify it, they yeah. almost focus on the negatives rather than the positives. Yeah, and I think from a family perspective, like Anthony is very supportive of what I do and he could see for himself we're not in a huge house where would I work and where would I put all my things? And, you know, so it's kind of like, well, there was logic to it as well. So it was kind of like, well, how do we function as a family and how can a business function from this space that's not huge, which we live in every day? Perfect. Um, And what changes did you see? And this could be whether it was a productivity changes, whether it was personal, whether it was family changes. Once that she shed was built and functional and obviously decorated with your impeccable style, did that then reinforce that it was the right decision? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was really interesting, Stace, because I was so much more productive because when I was running the co-working space, you know what I'm like. I want everyone to be comfortable. Do you need anything? You know, do you need a tour? Would you like me to show you something where this is, where that is? So I was constantly worried about the people that were using my space, making sure they were right and they were getting the work done and everything was happy days rather than focusing on the work that I needed to get done. So now I don't have those interruptions or I don't have to worry about someone else. When I'm in my she shed, the door's shut and I'm just working and doing what I need to do. So having that pressure taking off me was a godsend. Absolute godsend. And it's interesting because, like I said, like the fear of failure and putting that out into the world, okay, she was shy and closed down their co-working space. Like that really was something that nagged on me personally. But at the end of the day, I built my business. And I tell this to our members, I'm sure you've heard me say this a hundred times today. You're building a business around your needs and on your terms. And it's like, why work in a way that's not making you happy? yourself if you want to go do that go work for you know some joe blow down the road and you can work a nine to five you might be unhappy there but you know it's a job and it pays you and does all that sort of things but if you're going to go into running a business with all the hard work that that comes with you want to make it work for you and for your lifestyle and for your family and all those other outside factors yeah, and i think that it's as so a woman easy to lose sight coming to play you know we are busy as i'm sure everybody is busy but quite often yeah. You're so busy dealing with so much stuff, you forget those really important things, you know, why you started, what your vision is, what your goals are, and you just get busy in the day-to-day. So I love that it always comes back to that. Yeah, and it's even like when you're working with clients that aren't the right fit, it's like, well, you need to make a decision. Is that good for you? Is that working for you? And if it's not, then you need to make a change and you need to, you know, have that honest conversation. And each of those, each of those conversations or each of those decisions as such a big turning point and such a big learning curve for 
you and your business moving yeah, forward. Yeah, and I think like you can look at those decisions, decisions as being negative step. and go, oh, me and client A didn't work out. That's such a bummer. You know, I'm really down about it. Or you can go, me and client A didn't work out. And that's unfortunate. But what it means is I can work with client B, who is my ideal type of client and the ideal work that I need to do. So a lot of what we talk about with clients is really thinking about the mindset and the language that you're using. Everything can be deemed a negative, but it can also be deemed a positive if you try harder. That's right. And it's like, what's aligned with your values, with your mission and with your purpose? And if it doesn't align with that, then what are you doing? The simple truth is you need to have that honest conversation with yourself so I want to, know to make that, that decision and move forward. Can you give us a little sneak peek into what the next 12 months is going to look like for She Will Shine? Is there anything new on the horizon or is it consolidating things that are already happening? Now, I must admit, I know we are in the middle of COVID, so that has changed things slightly. However, hopefully we'll be out of that restrictions sooner rather than later. But if we look forward to next year, what's on the horizon for She Will Shine? This 12 months, including the six months that we've been in lockdown here in Melbourne, our community is actually growing really well, especially in Sydney and Brisbane. So we've seen our Brisbane ladies get together. We all looked on very jealously, but it was so beautiful to see them getting together. And the women in Sydney are also collaborating and working together, which is absolutely beautiful to see. So it's very much enforcing that community. So, you know, really focusing on our customer experience. This is what I'm, you know, working on currently. Really focusing on the members that we have and ensuring that they're having the best possible experience within our community as possible. Also nurturing those connections and giving them more opportunities to connect with other members that they may not have otherwise. And then growing the community even more nationally. So obviously we were Melbourne based and we are Melbourne based, but our community is growing nationally. So really focusing on that growth and on that member experience and making sure those member connections are happening because I think there's one project going on at the minute where I think we have five Shine members working together on a product launch and it's beautiful. It's amazing and it's just seeing more of that happening because the successes that come out of it are just amazing. My very last question is what does becoming financially fit mean to you? Now, this doesn't have to be a sales target or a profit target. It could be around mindset, confidence, the relationships you're you're now having. So what does that generally mean to you? I think for me personally, it's knowing that my business is ticking along and growing while also having the flexibility that I need around my family, but also having the opportunities to nurture my community and grow. So having those three things, you know, the business, the family, the community, all ticking along comfortably, to me, means being financially fit. Danielle, as always, I have had so much fun chatting to you and it is seriously like chatting to someone I have known for about 100 years. I can't thank you enough for joining us on today's podcast. And I just want to reiterate, no, we are not related. We just get on amazingly well. And it's just one of those strange connections (laughs) that, that came from a Google stalk. I think there are many business owners out there who feel a little bit lonely and frazzled in their business space and they don't know who to turn to for a genuine connection, advice and support. And I love that She Will Shine is pumping out that guidance from the magical She Shed. So thank you for sharing your story with us and we so look forward to catching up at the next in-person She Will Shine event and catching up for a bloody well-earned cup of tea. That's right. The bubbles will be flowing. But seriously, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to see this podcast come out into the world. I hope you've loved listening to today's episode of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast. 
We are all at different stages in our business life, at different levels in our money confidence, and we all have different needs. However, our goals are all along the same path. To learn, to grow, and to succeed in our journey of becoming financially fit. For more tips and advice, you can follow our journey on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Healthy Business Finances, or you can also search all episodes of our podcast at www.becomingfinanciallyfit.com.au.